Joshua 24, verse 1. <clears throat> then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in, the old, in old times, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountain of Seir to, pos to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Also I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt according to what I did among them. According and afterwards I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And you came to the sea. The Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea over them and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt. Then you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites. who dwell the other side of the Jordan and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose to make war against Israel and sent and called Balaam the son of Beor to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam, therefore he continued to bless you. So I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gershites, the Hevites and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you. Also the two kings of the Amorites, but not with your sword or with your bow. I have given you a, ha a land for which you did not labour and cities which you did not build and you, do, and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And it came, and if it seems evil, you, evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. 
For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our, brought us and our fathers up in, out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwell in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is holy. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after you have done after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone and set it up under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart each to his own inheritance. Now it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Sirah, which is in the mountain of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gaash. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. The bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem for 100 pieces of silver and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died and they buried him in a hill that belonged to Phinehas, his son, which was given to him in the mountains of Ephraim. May the Lord bless to us the reading of his word. Well, we come tonight to the final chapter of the book of Joshua. I'll try to work it out. We've had 16 sermons uh, on this book. 
There's an examination paper coming round afterwards to see how much you remember. That got you worried, didn't it? <laughs> Don't fear. But it's a tremendous book, and I hope we've proved that as we go through, as we've been through this book of Joshua. So here we are, the final chapter of the book, and it is an interesting one. It's the final words of Joshua to the nation. It's his final meeting with the nation. Why? Well, we learn from chapter 23, verse 1, Joshua, it says that Joshua was old and advanced in age. We learn also from 20, chapter 23, verse 14, he knew and was conscious that he was going to die. Behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? We all are going the same way as the earth. Because when Adam sinned, death came into this world. And we've all got to go that way. Unless, of course, the Lord comes. But that's how it is. At the end of chapter 24, we learn, verse 29, that Joshua does die. He's the grand age of 110 years of age. Now, it's interesting that Moses died when he was 120 years of age. It says in Deuteronomy 34, verse 7, His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigour abated. So it seemed like he was quite a young 120-year-old. How about that? Well, it wasn't true for Joshua. It says, and the AV says about 20, chapter 23, verse 1, it says, it says, he waxed old and was stricken in age. So here he is, a bit of a poor old man. He died a worn-out warrior. That's how Joshua died. But here we have the last meeting, his last words that he has to say to the nation. Now the end of our chapter is a very interesting uh, few verses. Verse 30 we have, well, in these last few verses from 29 to 33, we have three burials. The first one, verse 30, Joshua is buried. Verse 32, we have another burial. The bones of Joseph. Now you'll know in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 22, it says, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction or commandment concerning his bones. Those bones of Joseph were to be taken to the promised land when they departed from Egypt. Now, I worked it out. Joseph died. Then there was about 300 or so years before they departed from Egypt. Amazing, isn't it? He's got a commandment concerning his bones. And then there were 40 years in the wilderness, going round and round. And then there were six or seven years before the land was conquered. And then finally, Joseph's bones were buried. What a man of faith Joseph was. He knew that God would visit his people, bring them out of Egypt, and give them the promised land. 
the land of Canaan. And every time the Israelites saw the bones of Joseph, no doubt they were embalmed, they should be saying to themselves, God is going to bring us into the land. Because Joseph gave commandment concerning his bones. What a tremendous man of faith Joseph was. So the bones finally are buried, Shechem, there in the family grave. And then at the end, the third burial, verse 33, Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died and they buried him. Now, isn't this incredible? So what is happening here is a generation is dying. Now, this is an important principle. You remember how they serve the Lord? Verse 31, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had known all the works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. But when you get to the book of Judges, the book of Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, you read this. When all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the works which he had done for Israel. Now that's a word in season for us. There comes a time in history, in the church's history, a generation has seen great revival. Generations have seen many souls added to the church. They've seen real conversions. But there rises up a generation who have seen nothing of that. And as a result, they depart from the Lord. Now that is a very much a word in season for us. Many Christians today certainly haven't seen revival. Many Christians today have never seen real, solid, amazing conversions. And sometimes that has an effect on the whole spiritual climate of the church. Now I knew in my younger Christian days, some amazing conversions actually. People completely out there in the world, you'd think they're never going to become a Christian. And yet they become a Christian. Now we thank God. The ones and the two still. But remember this, we live in days of famine. And most of our churches, as my friend put it, we just recycle Christians. <laughs> Some Christians move from one church to another church. So they keep the numbers up. But what our great need is, is to have conversions. For some reason, the Lord has restrained his hand of blessing. We thank, you for, thank God for the mercy drops. But we long for the great showers of blessing upon our churches. So here is Joshua. He's at his final meeting. Do you ever think about that? Perhaps I'm getting old. There'll be a day when I'll go to my final meeting here in this world. It might be the final day I preach or something. But it'll be my final meeting in this world. It might be a prayer meeting. Might be a Sunday service, but it'll be my final meeting before I get to that great meeting above, around the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here is Joshua's last meeting. Now I've got a text. 
And I think you can guess which text it is, because it's such a famous one. Chapter 24 and verse 15. Joshua says to the people, And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The AV puts the two phrases like this. Choose you, choose ye this day, whom you will serve. One of the most challenging verses in the Bible. Joshua replies, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I've got three things to say, but before I can say those three things, I need to say several things just to set the scene. Number one, where was the meeting? If you look at verse one, it was at a place called Shechem, a place called Shechem. Now your memory will have to go back a little way. But Shechem was placed between two mountains. Do you remember them? Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. There was Shechem in the middle. Mount Gerizim was the place of blessing. If you obey me, God says, all the blessings that are pronounced on Mount Gerizim will be yours. But if you disobey me, all the curses that are on Mount Ebal will come upon you. So here we have, not only a tremendous text, but we have a wonderful visual aid. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Will it be a life of blessing because you obey God? Or will it be a life of cursing because you disobey God? There they were in Shechem. Joshua says, choose you this day. So there is an illustration there. And it's a very real one. It's a gospel one. Do you want your life to be blessed? Because you obey the Lord? Or will you know something of the condemnation that comes upon you because of your disobedience to the Lord? Now that's the first observation. The second observation is this. Just a reminder, who is speaking? Who is speaking? Now please notice this, and this is very important. Verse 2. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. So here is Joshua. He is speaking. But it's not he who is speaking. It is the Lord who is speaking through him. Did you notice in our reading, the Lord is speaking. He says in verse 3, I took your father Abraham. I gave Isaac Jacob. Uh, yeah, that Isaac Jacob. I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Pharaoh. This is what I did when I brought all those plagues upon you. 
I brought you out of Egypt. And it's I who gave you this promised land. These lovely cities, which you didn't build. These vineyards. All this good land I gave you. So who is speaking? It's the Lord who is speaking through Joshua. And of course it is. We believe in the inspired word of God, don't we? When this book speaks, it's God who is speaking. Now think about our text. Choose you this day whom you will serve. This isn't merely a man speaking to us. Here is God Almighty speaking to us. And he is speaking to you tonight because it's God's inspired word. The very word of scripture comes to each one of us. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I want you to notice something else. Did you notice in verse 1 at the end it says, and all the Israel, it must have been a tremendous crowd, men, women, children, and then all the hierarchy, the judges, the priests, they all came together. And notice what it says at the end of verse 1. And they presented themselves before God. They realized that they were in the presence of God. Not only was God speaking to them, but God was there, present amongst them. It's a sobering thought, but that's what we believe as Christians. When we gather around the word of God, when we gather with his people, God has promised to be amongst us. And that's why we believe in reverent worship. That's why we stand in awe with seriousness and soberness, reminding ourselves that we are in the presence of God. And God knows all about us. He knows our motives. He knows our hearts. And he knows the state we are in spiritually. So here is a, a very sober meeting. Will it be blessing or cursing? Will it be the true and the living God or idols? Will it be the saviour or will it be your sin? Now there's a few introductory remarks so we get the full thrust of what is happening here. So we come to our three observations and they're very simple. Number one, this is your history. That's what Joshua does. This is your history. Notice where he begins, verse 3. I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants and gave him Isaac. He took Abraham. Now, remember Abraham? The Lord didn't reveal himself to Abraham until he was 75 years of age. Where was he? He was the other side of the river. That means the other side of the Euphrates. He was in Ur of the Chaldees. He wasn't in the promised land. He was miles away. He was in obscurity. No one knew about Abraham. But the Lord came to Abraham's soul. 
Isn't it interesting? If you know anything about the Bible, everyone knows about Abraham, don't they, today? <laughs> he took Abraham from obscurity and made him the father of the nation. A friend of God. Isn't that incredible? He takes people from obscurity and he brings them into his service amongst the Lord's people to make them a blessing. What a blessing Abraham was. So he was an obscurity. But there's something else we notice. It's verse 2. It says uh, at the end, well, on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. So not only was he in obscurity, he was an idolater. He was worshipping bits of stone and bits of wood. He didn't worship the true and the living God at that moment. The whole family had been brought up on idolatry. But Abraham came to know the true and the living God. And that's why we call him not only the father of the nation, but the father of believers. Now this is wonderful. Why should God take Abraham? Answer. It's all because of his sovereign grace. Why should God take someone like myself? Oh, I was in obscurity, all right. And I was an idolater. I worshipped this world. And I worshipped the footballers. And I worshipped the pop people. I was an idolater. But the Lord came. And he took me. And it's all because of his sovereign grace. And that's what we should remember. It's all because of his sovereign grace. Then we notice about the history and development of the nation. God gave miraculously, at the age of a hundred years of age, Isaac. From Isaac, Jacob and Esau. Jacob went down into Egypt to save the nation from famine. And then Moses came and Aaron came to save the nation from slavery. And he brought them up out of Egypt by the blood of the Lamb, by the power of God. He got them over the Red Sea miraculously. The enemies of God were drowned in the Red Sea. It was all what God had done. And he brought them over the Jordan into the promised land. And that lovely verse 13. And I have given you a land for which you did not labour. And cities for which you did not build. You dwell, and you dwell in them. And eat the vineyards and the olives. Groves which you did not plant. Do you know what Israel should have been saying? All that I am and all that I have and all that I will be is because of the Lord. And that's what the Christian says. All that I have, all that I am and all that I will be is because of the Lord. They didn't deserve anything. But God had blessed them with everything. They were rightly children of wrath, just like we are. But he came and blessed them with so many good things. And the Christian, just think about it for a few moments. But all that you've got in Christ, you are forgiven. 
You are justified. You're in the family of God. You're heading towards the promised land. Heaven itself. The spirit of God dwells within you. You have a friend. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And every victory you win is because of Christ. And everything you enjoy is because of Christ. And all that you will be in glory is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is wonderful. And Israel, in the light of, passage, of this passage, we have to say, I am nothing. It's all because of God's grace. I hope you can say that. Nothing in ourselves, but it's all because of God's grace. Well, that's the first thing. That's the history, okay, of how the nation came to be in the promised land. Now, the second thing I want to say. This is your history. Second thing. This is your heart. This is your heart. Remember, it's God who is speaking. God knows all about our hearts. He knows the secrets of our hearts. He knows all about us. And Joshua says to those hearts which have assembled at this great meeting, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Now, the Lord knows our hearts. Notice what verse 15 goes on to say. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Are you going to serve the true and the living God to whom you owe much, so much? Or are you going to serve the idols which your father served? Or the gods which are in the land, which belong to the Amorites? Who are you going to serve? Which way are you going to go? Right, you can imagine. This was a very challenging sermon, isn't it? But, you know, throughout the life of Israel, they were addicted to idolatry. Way back in Genesis, Jacob told his family to put away the strange gods. You'd think being in Jacob's family, cool, that'd be a good lot, wouldn't they? They'd be faithful to the true and the living God. But no, he had to say, put away the gods that are among you. In Joshua 24 and verse 14, you'll remember... It says um, a similar sort of thing. Put away the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the river. In Egypt and in Egypt. So they served gods in Egypt. What happened at Mount Sinai? They made the golden calf and bowed down to worship it. Isn't that incredible? In the sight of God's mountain. And yet there they are worshipping an idol. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen says, told them to put away their idols and their false gods. And uh, as they travelled through the wilderness, and after all the victories, the Lord had given in Canaan, he says, look, put away these gods. Who are you going to serve? The God of your fathers, that were on the other side of the river, or the gods... Of the Amorites who dwell in the land. Now it's amazing isn't it? They hadn't been long in the land. Before they were attracted. To the idols 
of the Amorites. The very people they were supposed to be defeating and cleansing from the nation, they'd got interested in their idols and in their false gods. And they were attracted. And so often, that's what happens. You get attractive and then you get addictive. And idolatry was even rife amongst the people. Now, the people say in verse 16, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. But verse 19, But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. What the Lord was saying through Joshua was this, it's very good that you can say those words. We will serve the Lord. That's very good. But the Lord was saying, I know your heart. Already there is idolatry in your heart. You love someone more than you love Almighty God. You can't carry on like that. You can't be double-minded. You can't have affections for one God and another God. And they were hypocrites. And the Lord Jesus said about such people, they honour the Lord with their lips, but their heart is far away. Now this is serious stuff, folk, and I'll tell you why. It would seem they did serve the Lord during the days of Joshua, and the people who who outlived Joshua. But when those people, those godly people had gone, they fell into horrible, awful idolatry. That verse in Judges tells us. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, you know this. They forsook the Lord. Okay? The blessings on the mountain. Remember the blessings on the mountain because of obedience. They forsook the Lord and they began to worship the idols and the gods of the land. And I'll tell you this, quite bluntly. The nation fell into terrible sin and depravity. Because they forsook the Lord and worshipped other gods. And that's what happens. A person can be in a church in the presence of the Lord. But their heart is elsewhere. A person could be regular to church, but all of a sudden, they stop coming. Because there's something or someone more important in their lives. And I want to say this, directly you turn away from the Lord, your experience will be that of judges. You'll have many problems, you'll have many difficulties, You'll know what it is to be controlled by your fallen nature. And you'll commit sin. And it'll bring you into terrible trouble. I don't know if you heard the Any Questions program yesterday. We listened to it at lunchtime on a Saturday. There was a man there. Had a daughter. She's now 40. Had children. Divorced, been on drugs. He was heartbroken. Can you imagine that? 
And that's what happens when you forsake the Lord. You've got to turn to something else. And that's what our nation has done. Whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, or whether it's immorality. They all bring a person down. And that person life which was so promising has been spoiled and wrecked. And so often they never recover. And that's why the Joshua here, but the Lord through Joshua is saying, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's a very serious message, isn't it? Blessing of, mountain of blessing, mountain of cursing. Your idols will bring you down and down and down and ruin your life. But there is a God. If you love him and put him in your right, his right place and follow him, there's blessing. And the Christian life is one of joy and peace and purpose in this world. So there are your hearts. and That's what we teach as Christians. We have a wicked, depraved heart. It's deceitful. It's fallen because of sin. And there's only one who can cleanse it and bring control to it. And that's our Lord Jesus Christ. This is your history, Joshua says. This is your, uh, this is, this, this is your heart. And then he's got one last thing to say. This is your hour. This is your hour. Choose you this day whom you will Serve. Now it would seem that the challenge of Joshua did some good. Verse 23, it does say that they did put away some got their, their strange gods and cleansed the nation up. It would seem, verse 31, they made a covenant with the Lord. And they did follow the teaching of scripture and the example of Joshua and the elders that outlived Joshua. But as I've said already. When we come into the book of Judges, directly that generation has gone. Idolatry, sin, floods into the nation because they have forsaken the Lord. Now let me make a few concluding remarks. This is your hour. Once again, I think one of the shortcomings of much preaching today, we don't realise how important it is. This is your hour. This is your moment. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Now let me first of all speak to the person who is not a Christian. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Are you going to serve your sins and your lusts this present evil world or are you going to serve the Lord John Bunyan when he was challenged with this he heard as it were a voice will you keep your sins and go to hell or will you be forgiven of your sins and go to heaven the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ stands before you. 
one of the thieves went mocking his way into eternity, into hell. But the other one prayed, Lord, remember me. And he found mercy. He found forgiveness. And he died a forgiven man. Choose you this day whom you serve. That's a little word to the person who's not a Christian tonight. Can I speak to someone who perhaps is a, what we call a backslider? You're not as keen as you once were. There are days when you leave your Bible unread. Your prayer life is a sham. And the last time you said a good word for the Lord Jesus Christ is a long time away ago. You get so interested in this world that you forget the Lord. Can I encourage you tonight in the light of our text? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Robert Robinson who sang his hymn this morning, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. He was a great preacher. He wrote those words, prone to wonder, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And he did. He backslid. He went into terrible darkness. He went away from the Lord. Well, may you today, may the Lord give you grace to return to himself. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And those of us who are Christians, we might be weak, we may be poor. I trust we're wholehearted though. May we say like Joshua, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will have a Christian home where the Lord is honoured. We will have a home where there is wholehearted discipleship. And even if some are not believers, they might know what it is for a Christian to live amongst them. To be a follower of the Lamb wherever they go. Years ago, we used to sing a hymn in the Young Life group. I think it's been well forgotten these days. But this was something of our dedication. Thou didst give thyself for me on the cross where thou didst die. I would give myself to thee while the days are going by. All my days and all my hours, all my will and all my powers, all the passion of my soul, not a fragment, but the whole, shall be thine, dear Lord, shall be thine, dear Lord. So the Lord says through Joshua, choose you this day. Whom you will serve.